It's episode 27 of Left Side Heavy, the podcast, a part of the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jevin LaFave, and today I'm bringing back my guy, my golfing lad. Together, we're in this to shoot 95 plus. Just got himself a new sim driver for graduating electrical, getting your journeyman, Red Seal, yep. whatever you want to call it. My guy, yeah, Tanner Renick. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Good to be back. Oh yeah, life changing. Yeah, you're part. You're part of the VIP now. Left side heavy VIP. Uh, getting up there. I think it's like what Hayden's been on what five times now or something. He's been on a few times. Yeah, he's been on a few. Hey, uh, I've already said this once, but congrats on getting your red seal. Big step. Long process. How yeah, to feel to finally uh, seal that? Seal the deal. You know, actually, at the end of the day, it, it probably felt longer for other people than it did for me. It kind of flew by. It's crazy. It's already been four years, but honestly, it's so nice to be done. I can just don't have to worry about ever opening a book again in my life. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've been on and off of school, so I can't really say I'm like been stuck in the middle of textbooks, but. I'm definitely not like missing it at all. So I'll tell you that for free. Honestly, bro, I don't even know how my laptop made it through a full semester of online schooling. Yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, if you don't have like a recent MacBook, you're you're hooped. Pretty boned, eh? Yeah. I have like I have a Lenovo as well that I had before this. And it's not like bad, but you know, compared to a MacBook, it's absolutely dog water. Yeah, MacBooks, just, <laughs> MacBooks are just seamless, though. Yeah, this Lenovo I have is an absolute tectonic plate, dude. It's so massive. Well, it's I got so this, heavy. I got this thing freshman year of college, so that was five years tw- ago. Tw- yeah, 2013. No. Eight years ago. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, dude. Just an absolute warrior. <laughs> but anyway, back to, yeah, we had to pause the recording, stop the recording. So if you're hearing all this kind of mumble jumble for no reason, that's what we're kind of bantering about. But you, back to kind of you graduating and me bringing this up is because you got yourself a new toy. Oh, buddy. Yeah. I shouldn't say I got I got it for myself, but yeah, uh, yeah, your sister, aka my girlfriend, um, got it for me for graduation. This the old Sim Max. She's uh, probably the nicest nicest thing I've ever hit. I mean, helps you keep somewhat on the fairway. Yeah, just not just not as far into the rough, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> takes maybe one stroke out of your game but the irons need some work yeah exactly that was a nice little track you brought us to hazelmere yeah it's a good track i like how well they maintain it in the winter that's a big thing for me right you go to so many courses these days in the winter and it's just like you're playing in an absolute mud pit and not yeah even it's worth gross your money. have you ever been to langley like fort langley no i haven't yeah, it's it's honestly it's not like a terrible course. I don't mind it. 
but you know there's some of the holes where you step off the tee box and it's shrek swamp like it's just a sewer it's yeah. disgusting it's like you're sinking every step you take your golf cart's getting stuck so if you can maintain your course like all year round then you're going to get people playing like all the time so yeah. we, sh- we shouldn't complain though because we get we still get to play golf in the winter and there's so many places that don't even get yeah. to so exactly but to bring up my point i want to shout out mitch moslanko for winning the I don't even know what to call it. The predict the score. He uh he got my score right on par. No pun intended. 104. He won himself a nice little six pack. So every time I uh every time I hit the links, I'm gonna be posting a little story for your chance to win. I might cut it down if I go more and more because it's a lot of money out of my pocket, but once a month or something like that. Yeah. So shout out to Moslenko. I still gotta get you that, but yeah, dude, we got to hit the links a lot more once the weather gets nicer and things kind of start to open up. Yeah, we'll be going a bunch in the summer, buddy. Don't worry. For sure. Well, anyway, I brought you on today to talk a little puck, talk a little NHL. There's been quite some headlines since I've last recorded last week. So we'll start up north, currently where we are. The Montreal Canadiens have kind of made a some splash in the headlines and they currently sit in the fourth spot in the North with 39 games with 39 points and 32 games. Now they have like games in hand on teams like the Leafs, the jet, like basically they play the least amount of games Canucks in too. the North. Yeah, yeah. They have like yeah. five games in hand on like everyone. Yeah. Do you think, like, having the games in hand, like, the playoff teams are pretty set? Or do you think there's still a chance for some... Uh, I, def- I definitely think North Division is pretty tables. locked in the way it yeah. is. Um, I don't think the Canucks are going to get there. Yeah, definitely I don't think so not, either. Definitely not the Sens. Um, I could possibly see Calgary. I mean, Calgary's looks so bad, but I could possibly see them turning around and maybe squeaking in. But other than that, I think the North is pretty locked. Yeah, I think this is the least division to lose. But, I mean, like, Oilers sit third with 45 points. Jet sit second with 46. And Toronto's leading with 47. They've, they're all within two games of each other. Mm-hmm. So, I mean – Anything there, can happen. There right? could definitely be some shifting in like the way they finish, but I think definitely those teams are going to be the one that's in it. Yeah. And kind of speaking on the Leafs, Jack Campbell's kind of resurrected himself as being like a number one goalie. He's currently like six and all right now with an over nine five save percentage. Do you think it's his crease to kind of from here on now? Because Freddie hasn't necessarily played amazing this year. Like, do you just ride the hot hand? If you're trying, uh, I don't know, man. I feel like they have to go back to Freddie. He's like their ride or die. But yeah, he has been like, like Campbell has been so stellar. It's like, how do you take a guy out when he's that hot? Yeah, I think you just kind of have to ride the hot hand. And if you ever see some sort of flashback to reality for Campbell, like he kind of comes back down to earth. Then maybe put Freddie back in because he has been your number one for 
Or maybe what they kind of do is like now. they rode Freddy so hard in the past years for like games played. Maybe yeah. they have like more faith in Campbell for him to step into more like big games and stuff like that, where they're not so worried about playing Freddy on back-to-back nights and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. Cause I think, I think they have a playoff spot set in my opinion. I just think their offense this year has gotten a lot more playoff style. So I think they can afford to maybe rest Freddie. He has a lingering injury right now. I think he just has like a standard lower body injury. Mm-hmm. So if they can, if Campbell can still play the way he is right now, it'll really help them being able to have the opportunity to give Freddie some rest going into playoffs where you can kind of ride that two goalie tandem. Yeah. And I think in like today's NHL, you need that to be successful. So yeah. Canucks kind of wanted that with Holtby, but he's been Swiss cheese. It has been so bad that they, they can't. I mean, at this point, they might as well just play him so they fucking lose more games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get a higher pick. <laughs> yeah, get that higher pick. But speaking of the Canucks, Adam Gaudet tested positive for COVID-19. So they'll be out without him for at least two weeks, I assume. But, I mean, I don't think he's, like, necessarily a game-breaker in the lineup. But he's a solid piece to have. But... Like we kind of just brought up, we kind of hope the Canucks lose more than win going out, so they kind of get that better pick, hopefully. Yeah, he, but he was definitely like probably, honestly, probably like our best bottom six forward, I would say. For sure. Yeah. I think he's protection worthy. Like yeah. I would, I would keep him in my lineup. It's just a matter of can he play anywhere on the line, or is he just like a centerman? Can he play wing if he can? Then. We don't have to rely on him being our number three or four center. We can kind of put him on right wing if we need to. Fuck, I'd but, rather him, they protect him at this point than Vertanen, to be honest. If we protect Vertanen, I'm <laughs> jumping off my porch head first. <laughs> you know, this guy has like three goals to his name this season. Yeah, he's been bad this year. So bad, dude. God. Anyways, Montreal. They made a few big splashes. They signed Cole Caulfield. I'm pretty sure he has like 32 tucks or 31 tucks in 30 games with Wisconsin this year. Holy crap, I didn't ended. even know he had that many. Yeah, i not going to lie. I heard that from spitting chocolates today, but he's been – like every level he's played at, he's been scoring at an elite level. Like his drafter, he got 72 goals in a season for the <laughs> – <laughs> development program but he's been kind of silent during world juniors which i've been kind of disappointed about but with a score like that this has got to give montreal some confidence going into the next couple of years right no well, i definitely i think so and i think like they made so many good moves in the off season and it's like they're definitely on a better trajectory than the canucks i think that's for sure yeah, because he is – I think it, he's past the age of 20, so that burns a year off his entry level. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter how many games played. So I'm pretty sure they um, they don't really have a choice but to bring him up just to see what he can do. Yeah, And I do think Montreal will make the playoffs just because I think they've 
their defense is a lot deeper than what Calgary has and Vancouver has. And, I mean, Carey Price, he's playing at not as good of a level as he usually is. But once he does get to that level, like, he's a bit, one of the best goalies in the world. So, yeah. Yeah, I think you got to ride Montreal. But they also made a trade. They rescued Eric Stahl from Buffalo for a third and fifth round pick. And Buffalo did retain 1.6 mil. So that also helps Montreal. Now, he has 10 points in 32 games and he's dash 20. But I think everyone on Buffalo is dash yeah, 20. <laughs> that's that's every player on Buffalo. So like, let's not necessarily let's slow the roll. Can't judge him for that. Yeah. 2019-2020, he had 19 goals in 66 games. 2018-2019, he had 22 goals in 81. 17-18, he had 42 and 82. So this guy's been pretty productive on like a similar team in Minnesota that is Montreal. And I honestly think Montreal is a little bit more powered on offense. And I've heard some 50-50 on this Eric trade and what this kind of makes for Montreal. What seeing this trade, what was your first reaction in terms of like did Montreal win this? Was it a win for Buffalo? Was it kind of like a win-win? What did you make of it? Well, first of all, the first first thought that came to mind was Eric Stahl is probably the happiest fucking guy on planet <laughs> Earth right now. <laughs> <laughs> he probably like they probably brought him in the office and they were like hey eric you've been traded and he probably didn't even ask where he just said all right see ya and <laughs> send me my email me my ticket yeah. <laughs> i don't yeah. care where it is yeah no for sure because he didn't ask for a trade out of minnesota they just traded him and he had to waive his no trade clause because <laughs> i think um, montreal was one of the teams that wasn't on his his list originally so he had to waive it no i was talking about he didn't ask to get traded to buffalo oh right from right, minnesota because right, yeah. he had a modified no trade clause and buffalo yeah. wasn't on his list yeah big big oopsie there first of all but yeah big oopsie yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he didn't ask to get sent to Buffalo, so he's probably like, well, okay, cheers. Cheers to that. And then, yeah, he got his ass saved and went to Montreal. So, no, he definitely got blessed for sure. But yeah, do you think Montreal wins this trade, or is it kind of pretty, pretty I mean, even on both sides? It's always hard to say with draft pick trades just because – you never know what they're going to turn into but obviously it's good for buffalo because they're still rebuilding they need those picks and then i definitely think that he's going to bring a bit more of an edge to that lineup because they do have quite a small lineup i've noticed yeah like not a lot of big guys on the front end and he's going to kind of bring that little bit more grit but he's still got that scoring touch right yeah he's capable of putting like 25 home like he still has that 
sense around the net and he can yeah, like you exactly. just said he can put it home and he's got size to him like a small lineup in montreal so yeah i think it's a win-win for both sides it's like i think bergevin has to do anything he can to maybe make a run in the playoffs to kind of save his job because he's been kind of on the hot seat because montreal hasn't really done anything but in all honesty i'm kind of a bergevin stan He's made a bunch of moves, big moves that has benefited Montreal. That he acquired Jake Allen to make a he's a solid number two, in my opinion. Because I think he was like a fringe starter in St. Louis. Oh yeah, I like Jake Allen. He's yeah. like a really really good backup. He might be one of the better ones in the league. Yeah. He gets to Foley. You know, he traded for Petrie back in like 2015. And look what he's turned into. He's like yeah, a Nor- great. he's like a Norris candidate this year. Like he's made moves that has benefited Montreal. He made the trade for to get Suzuki, and that's helped. Although he traded Pacioretty, but I think he wanted out. So, at what point is it the coaching? Because I mean, he gets all the groceries. It's just a matter of the fucking coach putting it together. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say, man. There's been so many, like, coaches fired in the past couple of years. And, I mean, Julian obviously got canned this year, right? Yeah. So, who knows how that new interim coach is doing. Um, and it's hard for Montreal because they have to hire a coach that speaks French, too. So, it obviously limits the amount of candidates you have, right? Yeah. And you got to kind of stay within Canada because anyone crossing the border has to chill in the room for two weeks yeah yeah exactly so they kind of had a shorter leash but it's just a matter of like i don't understand a gm who makes good moves and then the coach just can't coach him to a win yeah but then the gm's on the hot seat and it's like well look what do you want me to do here i'm doing my part yeah he's doing the best he can and then players that I've traded have wanted out. So it's like, what do you want me to do here? But, yeah, I don't know. It's We'll see how – I think the trade for Eric Stahl is like, I'm just going to try and get a goal scorer for cheap. And, yeah, like Eric Stahl isn't going to blow the roof off, but he can give you – a goal every three games here and there. So I think it was a I think it was a win win in my opinion, but yeah, it's uh only time will tell pretty much. But so a team that we brought up before, last thing on the north before we move on. Calgary has lost four or five, including two in a row to Ottawa. Should they be sellers? At the deadline, should they like press the reset button? Because clearly the Goudreau, Monahan, Hannafin thing isn't necessarily working. I mean, they've been on a pretty bad slide since it was almost right after they fired their coach, right? Like they hired Sutter, they had a few good games, and then ever since then it's just been like they've just been playing terrible hockey. Yeah. They can't defend. Like, Markstrom isn't playing great. Um, they're not getting as many scoring chances that they should be with those, like, Goudreau and stuff like that. 
So, honestly, the way it sits in that division, I think they're – I mean, they're going to have to be. I don't know who they're going to trade really, though. Yeah, I don't know what they do. I think the tenure for them is almost up because I think they probably have to move one of them because just to maybe just switch things up, I, I feel like it's a bit stale in Calgary because they're not really necessarily blowing the roof off every night like a McDavid and Dreisaitl kind of thing. Like A lot of teams have either extreme depth around the team or they have one or two superstars that are producing like every night. And Calgary just doesn't necessarily have that right now. So They're I feel kind of, kind of in limbo, right? Yeah. So I feel that if they, they're like all, their all star defenseman, Giordano, he's like 37 years old. Mm-hmm. Hannafin isn't, he has like six points this year. I don't know what he's doing. Goudreau has been, like, inconsistent. Did you hear the soundbite from Daryl Sutter? No, I didn't. What was it? So, Goudreau played his – was set to play his 500th game. Uh-huh. And a reporter asked Daryl Sutter, he's like, so Goudreau's set to play his 500th game. Like, how do you feel uh, what it's like coaching him and, like, playing against him and all that and, like, what kind of player he's been since you've coached or whatever? And he was like, well, I hope he brings more energy to his 500th game than he did to his 499th game. Basically just throwing him out of the bus. <laughs> I'm just looking at looking at it right now. It was in an interview after a post-game or something. Yeah, press conference. Yeah. I mean, you know, Sutter keeps it real, though, man. I'll give yeah, him that. I, I love it. No bullshit but, Sutter. Yeah, so uh, – I mean, that's just, like, kind of what I'm thinking is what is Goudreau to the Flames now? Like, he's not necessarily the player he once was. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if there's sellers at the deadline or if they try and buy a big, like, a Taylor Hall or something and try and catapult them into playoffs. But I think they should sell and try and get draft capital. But that's just my opinion. I don't think they will, though, like, with – the amount of moves they made in the offseason and their fans, like, they just want win. They want them to go for it, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they're only, like, four points out of fourth spot. Yeah. But Mon- it's just trouble because Montreal has five games in hand on everyone else. Yeah. So, it's, Yeah, like, having the Canucks and Flames, like, played the most game in the league. Yeah, Canucks have played 37. That's definitely up there. The tie with, like, Anaheim. Uh, Columbus, Detroit. No team in the East has played 37. There's some teams who've played like 36 games, but. Yeah. Yeah. But five games in hand is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But moving on to the West, Vegas sits atop with 49 points. And it's pretty close between Vegas and Avs, but. There's another trade within this division, not necessarily within, but a team in the West. Uh, the LA Kings acquired Brendan Lemieux from the New York Rangers for a fourth-round pick. I love this trade for LA because you get a guy who was some who will light a fire under his team's ass, 
basically just mm. wake the team up. He's got a lot of grit. He'll fight. And once he kind of gets in the mojo, he can provide some possible, like, productive third-line scoring. So I love this trade for L.A., but what do you think is, like, Brendan Lemieux as a player? I mean, I haven't watched too much of him, but like you said, he's, like, definitely, like, that kind of, like, spark plug spark plug player like he doesn't really blow you away but he brings a lot of energy to the lineup and i mean that's something the kings need because they are an older lineup and stuff right so yeah i especially with like byfield playing in the a and like developing they acquired tyler madden for the and like the tyler to fully trade with vancouver and he's a quality prospect i was kind of mad that vancouver gave him up because he had almost like a Hobie Baker season in Northeastern. Mm-hmm. But, and then the Canucks traded him. But they have Alex Turcott as well. And then now they bring in Brendan Lemieux to kind of mesh with those younger guys and they can possibly build. He's like a, another Dustin Brown. Yeah. He'll, he'll hit, fight. And you know how important Dustin Brown was to those LA teams when they were good. Yeah. Right? He was a team nobody wanted to play against. Or he was a player no team wanted to play against, right? And I think Brendan Lemieux can be that player because he'll basically just he he has like a give a fuck meter like very low, right? Yeah. So and those are like he'll take out your like he'll agitate your best player and take him off for five minutes for fighting. And the next thing you know, LA is up. They don't have to worry about their best player for five minutes. Yeah, like he's just like that type of player. So I love yeah. that trade for LA. Yeah, they were LA was sick back in the day. Yeah, it was so annoying when Canucks had to play against them. But anyway, <laughs> the pesky wild—they're three points back of second, four points back of first, and they have games in hand on Colorado, or one game in hand. Thirty-three games played, they have forty-five points. They sit third in the West. Yo, this Capril. Kaprizov. Yo, have you seen some of this guy's goals that he scored this year? Yeah, Kirill the Thrill, buddy. Yeah, real <laughs> deal, Kapril. Yeah. <laughs> this guy is electric factory, dude. No, it's the nicest thing about him, I think. It's his, his fucking skating, man. Yeah, the he, way does he those, turns his he does his can openers. Yeah, the way he turns his hips yeah. and fucking his like goes around the net, it's crazy. He's faster than people like yeah skating he just does those little like shimmies and then he snips it top bunk yeah it's so it's extremely impressive to watch but he's obviously the front runner for the calder that's clear but he's also like 25 years old what where do you sit on the late players coming from the khl dominating the nhl their quote-unquote rookie year I think I don't. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I, like, isn't it like it's the same thing Panarin did, right? Yeah, and a lot of people they, were they just signed the, on that. Yeah, they just signed these deals in Russia, and they're locked into them, and they can't come over to the NHL until their deals run out. Kind of like same thing Pod Cole's in situation, but I think it's good. Like, obviously they're developing over there, so let them develop over there, and then come yeah. over and dominate. I mean, yeah. I'm- I, I agree with you there, but I, I just wanted to hear your thought on it because, you know, he's been so fun to watch and he's been building 
chemistry with uh, Matt Zuccarello, who he's kind of having res- a lot of people hated that contract that Minnesota gave him. Pretty sure like like thirty million dollars they gave him. Yeah. So, but he's been playing very well with Capril, so it's very fun to watch him play because he just highlight after highlight. But another soundbite I wanted to talk about was Eric Carlson. And I've seen this one. You see this one? Yeah. He scored two goals in the shootout winner against um, Minnesota, funny enough. But <laughs> the reporter was like, Eric, uh, you had two goals and essentially a hat trick with the shootout winner. Was this your best offensive game of your career? <laughs> he was like, what did he say again? He was like, not at not all or no Not chance. even close. Yeah, not even close. While he's eating like a neck. Absolutely fucking chowing on an apple too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just dunks on the reporter, just shoves it right up his hoop. Yo, what a that might be the dumbest question I've ever heard in a press conference. Has is yeah. he just is he just hearing about Eric Carlson? Yeah, because like <laughs> Eric Carlson on when he was on the the Senators, like he, he was one of the best players in the yeah. world. Yeah, like he was sick. <laughs> he was he getting, probably had like five point nights and stuff. Yeah, and he had like seventy nine points in eighty two games. He was like a point yeah. per game player as a defenseman in Ottawa. Eric, is this your best uh, offensive game uh, in your career? What an absolute clown. <laughs> I wonder they hate doing fucking press conferences, man. <laughs> That's a deal with these fucking clown-ass reporters. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I would lose my mind if I was Carl's. And the fact that you just kept it that short, I'd be like, yo, what are you doing? Oh, my God. God. And did you see his shootout winner? Did you watch the video? Yeah. Was... Absolute comes down and just claps off cheese. From the hash mark? Yeah. Just an absolute gutless play, but I love it. Yo, we need to see that happen more often. Like, that just needs to happen. Goalies must hate that because <laughs> just teeing one up. 10,000 miles per hour. They're just like, drop butterfly. I hope it hits me. <laughs> Close your eyes and just hit. Yeah. Please, for the love of God. Um, March Madness alert. Number 11 ranked US, UCLA is 44 seconds away from knocking off number one ranked Michigan. It's 50 to 47. So, and I'm pretty sure Michigan's at the line right now for two. But it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, dude, that was an absolute electric highlight on Carlson's part. Just both the shootout winner and the press conference alone. It was money. But is there anything else you wanted to bring up in the West Division? No, I just – I also – I think I love watching Minnesota this year, which is weird to say because usually they're boring as shit. Yeah, they're one of the- it's, a, it's kind of ironic that they're in the state of hockey, but they're one of the more boring teams to watch in the NHL. They just – I wish the Canucks could play like that. They play, like, such a sound game. It's, like, great 200-foot game. They play great defensively. Yeah. and Don't make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, and Cam Talbot's kind of stepping up 
He's playing a bit better now that he's in Minnesota. He's kind of bounced around, having an inconsistent career, but he's kind of having a bit of a resurgence down in Minnesota, which is really good to see. Yeah. But one more thing, uh, Mike Hoffman got scratched again. And after a one-year contract, you kind of got to think he might get dealt at the deadline. He has has eight goals, 12 assists, 20 points in 33 games. He hasn't necessarily been playing like his usual self. I was expecting more, especially on a team like St. Louis. But what do you think about a guy like Mike Hoffman, who is demanding a lot of money in free agency, kind of getting off to a slow start? I mean, yeah, it's happened to a couple uh, couple guys this year like with those one-year deals, right? They think they can have a good year and then get paid the next year, right? But it hasn't been working out, and the Blues haven't looked great this year. Yeah. It's kind of been struggling. A few guys have had injuries, stuff like that. Just things aren't working out. But, yeah, I mean, I don't watch much of the Blues just because, obviously, TV restrictions, but they've been – They've been struggling, and so is Hoffman. Yeah, they're sitting seven points behind third. I know. And they're in fourth. And there's like Arizona's one point back from St. Louis for that fourth spot. So, yeah. St. Louis better get their ass in gear because it's like, gotta be a little bit more productive than they are right now. But, yeah. Um, that division isn't very good, hey? I'm just looking at it. Very top-heavy. Yeah. Vegas and Colorado, you know, if playoff matchup. Because you play the first two rounds within your division. I'm pretty sure it's one versus four, two versus three. Right. And then you play again within that division. And then the basically the final four is one from each division and then the final i didn't so, know that you're doing it like that that's pretty cool yeah. actually yeah so at least a canadian team is going to be in the final four and yeah for the cup which i think is why toronto has been such a favorite to win the cup because their road to a final four is a lot easier than when they were in the atlantic when they had to yeah. face Boston in the first round and stuff like that. So, yeah. But, you know, imagine like Vegas and Colorado in the second round. Yeah. In a seven game series, dude. It'd be so oh. many goals. Wild. <laughs> the like Grubauer has been playing like a Vesna candidate, same as Flurry. Yeah, I got Kale McCart, Bowen Byron has come onto the scene now. Gerard's been playing lights. Taves is nasty. And then you also got Shea Theodore. Petrangelo's been kind of hurt. And then you got Stone, Pacioretty, Riley Smith when he's actually playing good, but he's kind of sucking right now. And then obviously you got Mac Daddy, Rantman, and Landeskog up front on Colorado. Yo, two absolute – two of the top five teams in the league in one division. Yeah. That's unreal, dude. I'm so excited to see them potentially play each other, but obviously we'll see. Um, moving on from the West, we're going to touch on some NHL headlines. Um, Tim Peel, longtime referee since 99. He was canned after he was caught on the hot mic 
basically saying that he planned on giving Nashville a penalty. So it's just a matter of you can't do that. Hey, I don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know what you just did? Yeah, don't. What an absolute clown. Like, what Uh. was – like, what do you what do you think of this Tim Peel situation? I would like I would understand it because it was early on in the game, so I would understand it if he was like, oh, like we kind of we kind of owed Na or uh, owed Nashville a penalty because we've been calling kind of a lopsided game, like that kind of situation. Yeah, but he literally just said, oh, I want to give Nashville Nashville a penalty early. Yeah, he was like, it wasn't much, but I really wanted to give Nashville a penalty. Like, uh, bud, <laughs> that's not allowed. There's, there's no coming back from that. Yeah, so, I mean, he was already planning on retiring at the end of the season. So, I basically, this fireman was like, hey, you just can't ref any more games yeah. this season. But it's, you can't plan on giving teams penalties. That's just not part of the integrity of the game and stuff like that you yeah. got i'm sure it happens more often than it, it's been caught oh but, for sure yeah so just keep uh get better awareness bud but um moving on to draft lottery that got changed and updated had um have you heard about this have you read about yeah, it in the headlines i was kind of just I was kind of just looking at it beforehand and yeah, I was reading it and it sounds like it's going to be way better because I hated the lottery before. Yeah. I love it. So to kind of sum up, it is reduced from three draws to two. So there'll, yeah, there'll only be drawing for two spots and teams are restricted from moving up 10 spots. So a 13th seed can't get, the second pick mm-hmm. kind of thing. 12th can get second, 11th can get first. But if you're past 11, you can't get the first overall pick, which I think is money. Because I'm pretty sure New York was like 12th and they got number one. Like it was something ridiculous. Yeah, last year was kind of an anomaly though. I feel like it was not necessarily Rangers getting one was rigged, but I think the playoff playing team was rigged just because they wanted more viewers and ratings and money to come in. Yeah. Because of the COVID year. Yeah. I feel like that might like that's a conspiracy going around, but lastly teams cannot win the lottery more than twice in a five-year period. But wins prior to this upcoming draft. So when you say apply, sorry, when when you say win the lottery, does that mean they have like if they got first overall? Yeah, I don't think you can get first more than twice within five years. Okay, that's better. Can't have another Edmonton Oilers situation. Yeah, exactly. And they've done. What have they done? Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing. So I'm really happy with the changes, and I think. It should have happened a lot sooner than it did, but beggars can't be choosers. We finally got it, and I'm just I'm so happy that it's happened. Mm-hmm. I honestly think they should just move to like how the NFL does it, like just base off 
where you finish the year, right? But that makes it a lot easier for tanking. But, dude, teams are tanking anyways. Look at Buffalo. They're 6-20. and 20. Yeah, I know. I, I think they should just res- – I think what they're doing now – I like what Brian Burke has done or what he said should happen. Only the bottom five teams – uh should have a chance at first overall yeah yeah that makes a lot more sense and five and up or set yeah or six and up but the one to five goes in the lottery and they pick like top two picks or whatever yeah or for the number one and then everything else just shifts down because if you're number one dude and you slip out of top five Yo, I'm throwing hands on sight, whoever I <laughs> yeah. see. Yeah. So yeah, that's good I, I like I like that, but I think they should just limit the limit the lottery, but I still think they should just because of yo, know, like Detroit got like 17 points last year or something like ridiculous. Yo, and they got like the fourth overall pick, dude. Yeah, they got screwed. <laughs> yes, it's trash. So, I I will say I'm back and forth on it, but I do think this should just be a, a slimmer lottery. Yeah, like I I love Brian Burke's idea, just the bottom five teams. But yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah. Anyways, love the draft lottery changes. So glad they finally did that. Moving on to the East. Caps are at the, sitting at the top with 50 points in 35 games. And the bottom is Buffalo Sabres. They're averaging a point every second game. 17 points in 34 games. They have a losing skid of 18 games after a blown 3 nothing third period lead. And they lost in overtime 4-3 to Philadelphia. Bro. This team should be canceled. What is happening um, <laughs> in Buffalo, dude? This team is hot garbage. They're just said fuck it. <laughs> like, what do we have to play for anymore at this point? Dude, could you six wins? I can't even imagine that. And never mind losing 18 in a row. Like That's, the morale in that yeah. locker room must be all time low. All time low. Did but you, the one thing Buffalo's got going for them is they have those sick reverse retros. Yeah, those I reverse think, retros are lights. Like, I think if there's any reverse retro I'd want to buy, it would probably be theirs. But um, yeah. maybe Colorado. Oh yeah, Colorado's good too. Or Minnesota. I've been so high on Minnesotas. <laughs> there's nasty dude. The yeah. Minnesota North Stars colors yeah. with their logo. So nasty, but anyways, yeah, so Buffalo, they, they're only high as their reverse retros. <laughs> um, I'm just looking right now, so they actually tied the longest losing streak ever at 18 games, right? Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I think what was it like the, the 04 last 05 Penguins? 03 04 Penguins, oh, damn, yeah, 18 games. Damn, bro. <laughs> and, oh. like, to make it worse, you have to pl- live in Buffalo. 
Yeah, it's not, it's, not like you, it's not like, hey, Florida's on an 18 losing streak, but at least we can go play golf after and like 40-degree weather. Yeah, or Nashville, which is like a six city too or something yeah, like that. Yeah, right? Vegas. Yeah. But yeah, Buffalo, it's like, oh, great, we lost. Now we got to go minus 40 weather. No wonder they can't get any fucking free agents, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they should be blessed that Taylor Hall even went there. Even though, like, I'm, I've been against Taylor Hall for the longest time, but I mean, he's some sort of name that willingly went to Buffalo, knowing how they were. But moving on to another dumpster fire is Philadelphia, and they are fifth with 38 points. They're only three points back of Boston, but they've played two more games. Yo, Carter Hart, dude. This guy's been a travesty. He was scratched for the series against Buffalo. That's how bad he's been. He's like, you've been so bad that we aren't going to play against the worst team in the league. In his last seven starts, he's allowed 28 goals including a six spot versus the Islanders and a six, one loss four goals against against the Rangers on 16 shots and a nine, nothing loss and five goals against versus the Rangers on 11 shots in an eight, three loss. I'm just looking at his, I'm just looking at his stats now and he has a four Oh three goals against average. Yeah. Eight, six, nine, save percent. Oh my god. Yo, he was my Vesna pick. No wonder he's in his ass, dude. <laughs> you fucking you mushed him. Because he was sick before. He I didn't nasty. know it was that bad. That's why I picked him. Yo, he's a he's on the waiver wire in my fantasy league. Nobody wants him. Oh my god. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. I traded for him just like trying to get a number you one. Double mushed him. No, but I <laughs> I got JT Miller, Carter Hart, and a first-round pick for Atkinson, Hallibuck, and a fifth-round pick. Okay. Good trade for you. Yeah, so I got Carter Hart, and I was like, okay, let me just – he has it in him. He's going to turn it around, man. And then that's when he allowed five goals on 11 shots, and he got me minus 11 points, so then I guessed. <laughs> I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I traded him, but you have but, to think he's gonna turn it yeah. around with his pedigree, though. Next season, I don't think he's got it this year, dude. No, no, just completely thrown off this year, especially after being scratched. Like that could light a fire under him, or it could just be like, "Yo, am I trash?" Because I, I projected him to be on Team Canada, which I, I think he will. Every goalie has a bad season. It's just a matter of, like, this happens so early on. Like, is it a red flag? Like, only time will tell. So, yeah, I don't know. But within those travesties, Zabinajad got another six-point night. So, I'm pretty sure within those four games, he had six points, one point, two points, six points. And... The two six-point games were against the Flyers. Is that good? <laughs> I don't know, dude. Is it? 
<laughs> 12 points in two games against one team not a big deal jesus christ <laughs> yeah but it's it was about times that benajad stepped up because he had 41 goals last year and like like just over 50 games because he was hurt for a bit and the shortened season and he had 41 goals he had the most goals per game last year he got half the points he had in the season in one game and then he got it again like three games later so it was about time this guy started getting hot and Zavina is one of my favorite players in the league kind of low-key but yeah it's good to see him getting hot and kind of the Rangers seeing some get like a streak going a bit but yeah he definitely started slow that's for sure and then there's a couple guys on that team who are having like low-key good years that no one's really talking about um yeah like Dil- or strom too right yeah he's having a good yeah. year too and like nobody's really saying anything about it i think he has like what does he have like oh maybe like 11 goals 13 assists something like that that's a solid year dude yeah like decent year against like a rangers team whose people kind of had higher expectations of them going into the season they've underperformed and they lost Panarin for a few games, and he's still putting up a decent, some decent numbers. Okay, I way undersold him. This guy's got 11 goals, 22 assists. Jesus. This guy's Pretty playing good, right? lights. Right? He's like at a more than a point per game pace right yeah. now. Yeah, in 35 games, he's got 33 points. That's unreal. And Adam Fox is having a sick year, too. I know that. Uh, yeah, he's... Yeah, he's playing unreal right now. Breakout year for that guy. Holy cow. Yeah, for sure. For sure. He's got got 26 apples. I didn't even know he had that many. (laughs) And, like, I think the two, like, nine, like the nine nothing and eight three games against Philly, I think he had like five points in each of those. Yeah. So that helps. Yeah, that helps a ton. But, no, he's been playing unreal. And I really hope this is a big stepping stone for New York because I'm pretty sure the league's better when the Rangers are playing well. Yeah, definitely. So, if their goaltending can step up next year, they're going to be a dangerous team because Lafreniere in his sophomore season, hopefully it's kind of hard to have a slump when you don't have a good rookie year and he hasn't really played up to potential. But – Man, if Zavanjack can get to a hotter start and like their goaltending can be better, their goaltending has been well this year. So, I really hope the Rangers can pull it all together for like next year as well, right? Definitely. But moving on to the Central, and there's not really much going on in this one, so we'll kind of keep it short. But big prayers up to Aaron Ekblad. I don't know if you saw that highlight, but he landed pretty awkwardly and he fractured his leg and it was a harmless play. Nothing crazy. It's just a matter of like shit happens pretty much freak injury. Yeah, exactly. A freak injury. And this guy was having like a career year. He was like top 10 Norris candidate. He's finally playing well. I mean, it's not like he hasn't been playing well, but playing at a level he hasn't played before. And then 
Florida's also a wagon this year, too, tied for the first in the Central. But it's so tough to see him go out like that. That's a big loss for them, too, man. I know. He's one of those guys that, like, you don't, like, see on the ice all the time. But, like, he eats minutes. He's solid defensively. Contributes offensively, too. And they're definitely going to miss him, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. He's such a body, too. He's like 6'4". He's a big boy. So having that presence on the back end is key. And I wanted to keep him with Florida because they've been surprised me. I didn't have him making the playoffs because they've kind of always underperformed every year. I do have high expectations for them. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I don't – like, I I had them just slipping out. Like, I had them in fifth. But they're tied for the first, so, like, that's just not going to happen. But Verhage, only he is – I don't know how to say this stat, but it's unreal. Only two players have more five-on-five goals than him this year, and that's Rantanen and Ovi. Damn. Carter Verhage has 15 goals, 13 assists, 28 points in 35 games. He's 25 years old. Last year he was with Tampa. In 52 games, he had 13 points with nine goals and four assists. And he's doubled that in half the amount of games. Just over half, obviously. But this guy's playing unreal this year, and he, he's not looked at as a top scorer on the team. So that, I think that's, like, a huge part as to why Florida's been so successful is because they've gotten secondary scoring like that. Which is something they usually didn't have in the past, right? Yeah, they've, gotten, like, all, yeah, they've gotten all the pieces for secondary scoring, but they've never produced. Yeah. And now you, they get a player like this guy, and he's just outperforming his contract pretty much. Yeah, this guy was basically – wasn't he just like a kind of like a salary dump piece from Tampa? Yeah, and obviously I totally understand him not having like as good a stats on Tampa because Tampa's an absolute wagon. Yeah, he's playing like a bottom six role, didn't have much opportunity. Yeah, but now he's getting an opportunity in Florida, and it's amazing what op- like opportunity can get just like at – Vegas in their inaugural season. Yeah. A bunch of plugs going on team. They make it to the final. That just but, goes to show how much talent there is in the NHL that you don't even know about, man. Yeah, exactly. God, don't even get me started. You have to be so good to make the NHL. Stupid. Like, you have to be so good. Like, even, even the plugs in the NHL are, like, they Nasty. lit it up when they were younger. Yeah. Like, Look at fucking like Antoine Roussel stats, and he's like a point per game, uh, like double the amount of points in like whatever league he was playing. Like, yeah, can't like he's looked at like an absolute pigeon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's like the more opportunity the player gets, the more he's gonna improve. And a guy like Verhage is definitely taking advantage of that. But that's one stat I wanted to throw at you that I saw via Dmitry Filipovich on Twitter. But also another team 
Carolina. They're absolutely buzzing right now. They're they have three games in hand in the Central. They've only played thirty three games and they're one point back of first. The Rod Brendamore effect, dude. They're playing so good right now. They're getting like Trocheck is having a resurgence, and Aho and Sveshnikov are obviously the pieces. But they've gotten solid goaltending from guys like Reimer and Mrazek. Whereas uh, Reimer hasn't had no Mrazek's in Detroit, is he not? They got uh no. what's his face? Uh fucking Nedel Jovic, that young oh, guy. Yeah. Alex Nedeljovic. I don't know how to say his name exactly, probably butchered it, but um <laughs> his stats right now is so he's played started 13 games, he's got eight wins, three losses. And 2.05 goals against. Listen to this. 0.927 save percentage. Jesus. That is unreal. Yeah, he's been playing sick. And that's huge in a, in a division like that. With high-powered offenses like Tampa and Florida. And Nashville on paper, they have a good offense, but they've been kind of – they've been hot as of late, but they've been very – They've been underperforming like crazy this year. Yeah, big time. And I didn't have like high hopes for Nashville, but even like like Chicago, you got to worry about like the Brinkett and Kane and Kirby Doc when he's healthy, but he hasn't necessarily made the impact he has, but he just got back from wrist surgery. But no, like you need solid goaltending in the NHL. And if you can get it from a player that you don't necessarily expect, it lights a fire under your yeah. team. Well, Mrazek uh, broke his thumb a okay. while back, so he's been hurt with that, and I don't think he's even come back from it. So this guy stepped in as their uh, – well, he was their third goalie and stepped in. And, yeah, he's been lights out ever since. And Reimer's just been, you know, Reimer, just standard average goaltending. Yeah, like it's almost like a backup QB. You don't need to light the world on fire. You just need to not look like an absolute buffoon. And yeah. that's what Reimer's done. He's yeah. just gone in there. Yeah, he might have like a two and a half goals against average or something like that. I don't know his stats. I don't have it in front of me. But if he can just like provide some sort of stability, eat a lot of shots, then like it's going to get the team going. Like you don't need to play like a Vesna goalie every night. Just don't allow like six goals like Carter Hart and you'll be good. So yeah. James Reimer goals against average 2.7 save percentage 0.907. So exactly what you need. Yo, that uh, was a total guess. Two and a half goals against average. Shout out to me. I will take that any day <laughs> of the week. <laughs> but last thing before we kind of wrap up here is lining Columbus. He's been snake bitten. I'm pretty sure he has like one goal in like 11 games. Just hasn't been playing well. And that's not a player that, like, that's not how you need to be playing when you're playing under Torts. Is this kind of like last straw for John Tortorella? Is he kind of getting out the door? His coaching style seems to be getting pretty old in Columbus. Does, do they need a new voice? 
I think, yeah, I think they do personally. I mean, I've never really been a Tortorella fan, to be honest. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. He's been a successful, successful coach in the NHL and he's earned that title. Um, I've just never been a fan of him. And I think definitely Columbus needs maybe a younger voice to step in and kind of change things up a bit. Yeah. Cause they are kind of playing that old school kind of more defensive. And I, they have a lot of talent that I feel like they could be using in different ways. Right. Yeah. I, cause a player like Line and Texier and skill guys like that, they don't fit the tort system very well. Yeah. And those are guys you brought on to produce at a level they're used to performing at. But if Torts wants you to eat shots every shift. Yeah, kind of kills their value, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think, yo, like Gerard Gallant's still out there. Like, I don't know why he's been dumped twice when he's been having good seasons, like in Vegas Mm -hmm. and Florida. He's still out there controversial pick would be Babs, but I'm not too sure if that's the right pick anyway for Columbus. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in the offseason because I think they're just going to ride it out for the rest of the season. Yeah. Because his contract's up at the end of the year, I'm pretty sure. So it's just going to be a matter of whether they bring him back or not, which I honestly, I don't think they will. I think they're going to move on just because he's been there for so long. Yeah, I agree. They kind of need a new voice, but Anything else for Central or any other divisions in the NHL? Did you hear that one uh, interview of Line A2 when they were asking about his slump? He's like, yeah, you know, obviously it's not great, but I'm not even, like, getting scoring chances. (laughs) 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 Nobody will pass me the puck. (laughs) That's such a rock star response. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm fucking nasty, but you're just not giving me the buck. I'm sitting in the slot, ready to go. Don't be a pass. Yeah, it was, it was like when Tortorella got um, hounded on for quote unquote benching Line. Yeah. Right. And Line was like, yeah, I thought I was playing good, but I guess not. Yeah. But. Yeah, man. Um, no, wonder, no wonder Dubois wanted out of there, man. Yeah, I don't blame him. I just, I don't know. The mood in Columbus just feels so depressing. Definitely. Like, I'd rather be in Winnipeg. They're just, they're more built for, to win. Yeah. Think. More of a hockey town, too, for sure. Yeah, yo, full capacity MTS Center, the all-white. Yeah electric yeah some now, best in the league almost yeah and now he's gonna be playing in columbus just so mm-hmm. sad all the time but anyways that's episode 27 and i apologize if the audio is a bit different my mics are being an absolute coward this week so i had to figure something out some figure something else out using the old apple headphones no free ads but danner Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. It's always fun chatting with you. Let the people know where they can find you. Always a pleasure. I mean, you can follow me on Twitter. Pretty simple, at Tannerenic or Instagram. Same thing, at Tannerenic. Won't blow you out of the water, but, you know, good tweets here and there. 
Good tweets here and there. Love it. Um, you guys know where to follow me at Jevin.lefave on Instagram, at JevinLefave on Twitter. That's J-E-V-O-N-L-E-F-E-B-V-R-E. Follow the podcast pages on Instagram and Twitter at LeftSideHeavy underscore. Don't forget to subscribe, download, rate, and leave a review. It'll help your boy out, help the algorithm. And that's everything. Tanner, again, thank you very much. I'm sure I'll have you on again sooner rather than later. And yeah, that's episode 27.